Um, but sometimes that, that fear of, you know, that pain that you can cause someone else comes up first before you realize that, oh, if I don't own what I, what I feel, like I'm going to feel shitty down, down the road. of Dear Men and our first ever listener panel related to the theme of the month. I'm super excited about this. So um, it's kind of an experiment. We're going to see how it goes. Um, but I would love to welcome to the podcast, Ben, Mark, and David. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here, Melanie. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Yes, thank you for having me. So I um, was really excited to get everyone's survey responses. And I'm interested in hearing from our three listener guests today. And I will also be representing other survey respondents. So I have everyone's survey responses here with me, and I'm going to read out some of them as we go along. So you can listen for your responses if you submitted. And if you're interested in joining the Big Sexy Data Set for next week's or next month's survey, you can just do that by saying, add me and just email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and we will add you. So this month's theme was around owning your power. And I thought maybe we could just do little intros here. Um, and kind of combine that with just what you, you know, you specific men, what does it mean to you to own your power? So maybe we can start with Benjamin and then go around. Oh, so let's just do, yeah, name, rough age, relationship status, and what does it mean to you to own your power? Great. Uh, thank you, Melanie. Uh, yeah, my name is Benjamin. Uh, I am 28 years old and I am recently single. Um, what owning my power means to me is, and I'm, I appreciate you, uh, referred to me as Benjamin, uh, cause initially you called me Ben and part of my intentions for this year was to reclaim my name. And I initially went by Ben for a while and I decided this year to start going by Benjamin because it felt more powerful and in align with, you know, who I want to be in the world. So thank you for that, Melanie. Um, for me, owning my power really means uh, just being confident in what's my truth and not being afraid of it, of what other people might think about it. Um, and just moving and acting and being from that sense of ownership of what's my truth and just feeling empowered by that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There were a lot of survey responses like that, which... Um, we'll get to, but what I really hear there is, is being able to access my truth and speak to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's all about the truth. Um, David. Yeah, my name is David. I'm 42. I've been married for 21 years. And for me, what owning my power means first off is being grounded 
and aware of my body and physically what's happening inside of me. And from there, then starting to recognize what are the emotions, what are the feelings, what are the needs that I have, and then being willing to share those honestly and transparently with the people around me so that we can connect. And uh, so really it starts with finding a way to connect with myself so that I can then reach out and connect with the people that are around me and the people that I love and spend my time with. Thank you. Mark? Hi guys, uh, my name's Mark. I am 33. I like Benjamin, I'm recently single, and to me, being in and owning my power touches on and comes from being in touch with my feelings, and so being more in my body as opposed to my head, and it also means speaking my truth and being prepared to whether whatever consequences come as a result of that and not getting mired in the fear, but acknowledging the fear if it's there. Yeah. yeah so. I love that. Thank you. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of what you guys said was reflected in the survey responses. I sort of, I, I always like to look at the sort of themes of what lots of people were saying in my research. And I had a few themes here. One of them was, um, something several of you touched on, which is to be myself, to really be myself without worrying about what other people think about it. Um, and I saw this sort of as like a deep self-acceptance. So some of those responses were, um, I'm in the moment and not worried at all about what other people are thinking about me. It's effortless. And I don't worry about the consequences. Another man said, I depend only on myself for my opinion of myself. For him, that was what power was. <clears throat> and then I liked this one. Um, Flow with the river of life and embrace my peculiarities as they surface like mosquitoes. <clears throat> I always um, appreciate it when the server responses are like poetic. And I found a lot of those in these responses. Um, <clears throat> and then another theme that sort of came up, which I thought was cool, was several people talked about being able to take control when called for and then cede control when called for. So one man said, the ability to do whatever is necessary to take control when needed and also give up control without reservation. And then another one said, feeling comfortable with and knowing when to assert your wants and or desires while also being comfortable with and knowing when to be submissive to others wants or desires. And I found that interesting because um, I think you know, traditionally the word power might get associated with dominance, which is control over, but repeatedly there was a sense of, from the survey responses, a sense of centeredness, that real power for a lot of people owning their power means being, being centered in themselves and then moving from there, which is not the same thing as needing someone else to do something or be something. It's, it's, it's more like, I know who I am and I'm able to speak to that. Um, any other themes? Cause I, I sent you guys these responses. Were there any other themes that you guys noticed when you were looking at them? Yeah, Melanie, one of the, 
responses that I really loved was somebody mentioned being aware and in balance between your head, your throat, your heart, your gut, your crotch, and your soul. <laughs> and I think that's really the goal of being a, a complete and integrated man is when you can harmonize all those different aspects of yourself. And that's a really, really powerful thing to bring into the world and bring into relationships. I love that. Yeah, I noticed that one too. The soul, the last one was so great. And I really liked the, um, I felt like that man, yeah, really kind of had a sense of, it's about being in my body and it's about being aligned with something higher too. It's about all of those things at the same time, like you said, a harmony. Yeah, I thought that was a really great one. And and I love the humor of going from gut crotch to soul. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's like all, all of them at the same time, instead of having to choose between. Um, cool. All right. So I think that um, the way we're going to do this is what I like to do is to hear a few stories from each of you about times that you felt like you did own your power and times you felt like you didn't. So I'm wondering if you can each share a story of one memorable moment that you recall not owning your power. We'll start there and then we'll do the round of when you did. Anyone can start. Okay, I'll, um, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, this is Mark. Um, so one really memorable time for me comes from when I was 13. And it, I'm, I almost didn't go with this because I was... Boy, and it was so long before I did men's work, but it's really visceral for me. So I was, this was actually the evening of my 13th birthday party, and I had a bunch of friends from school over there. And one of the people there was this girl that I was absolutely head over heels crushing for. But of course, I had never said anything to her to that effect. And, uh, Eventually, towards the end of the party, more and more kids left, and she was the last one at the party, and she and I were on my balcony waiting for her parents to come pick her up, and I I didn't say a damn thing. We just stood there, and I was so petrified um, that that I, I didn't act. I... So that really sticks out for me as a time when I didn't own the feelings that were coming up for me um, and that I was set upon, weighed down by the fear of speaking to what I wanted and what I was feeling. That's a great story. Thank you for telling that story because I feel like so many of the men that I work with and just men that I know can relate to that of, you know, not owning our power isn't always about something that we do. A lot of the time it's about something we don't do. (laughs) And I think that's such a, just a good representation of the, of the freeze response, basically of just, I'm just, I don't know, you know, like I'm wondering in your memory of it, do you remember thinking I should say something like, were you in your head about like, I should say something, but I don't know what to say. Or like, were you just in a total body freeze response? Like what was actually happening for you in that moment? 
Oh, no, uh, 1,000%. There was a voice in my head that was saying, Mark, this is your chance. You're alone. You know, come on. It's almost the end of the school year. You're never going to have another chance like this. Uh, so that voice was definitely in my head. And the voice that was also present and was stronger at that time in my life was the voice that said, oh, but 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 what if you tell her how you feel and she rejects you and that that would be so much worse. So it's probably better just to enjoy standing here next to her. Yeah, <laughs> I I understand. And I feel like a lot of men are going to be able to relate to that. So thank you. Um, yeah, I can, I can go next. This is Benjamin. Um, first story that came up for me, this was about, um, I would probably say like two or three years ago. Um, I met this, I met this woman at a restaurant slash club and, um, I wasn't even, you know, in a place of, you know, actively like looking for someone, um, and I was just like on the dance floor, just, you know, doing my thing in my body. And this girl and I, you know, we, we made eye contact and we started dancing the entire night. And, you know, we, have, you know, I had eventually started like making out on the dance floor. Um, and, you know, and then afterwards, you know, I got her number and then we set up a, you know, another date to, to see each other. And on that first, on that first date, you know, it, definitely there wasn't that same kind of electric kind of energy that we connected with over on the dance floor. And I remember distinctly after we had gotten drinks and we, I was walking with her back to her apartment. We just ended up sitting outside her apartment on these like lounge couches and we were just kind of chatting and I wasn't making any sort of move. Um, and I wasn't really connected with any sense of like, I mean, I, I knew that you know, I was thinking about, you know, wanting to get physical and like and make a move, but I wasn't able to pull that trigger. And the night just really just fizzled out really quickly. Um, and then we ended up uh, never really speaking to each other again. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of like a quick thing that just kind of happened. And then it just went away as, as quickly as it happened. I, yeah, I feel like that's like, great example of um of you had it and then you didn't you know like it's like a sense of like oh I was in the flow and then I wasn't you know just I feel like that's such a common life experience of we we've got the thing and then we lose the thing and then we've got the thing and then we lose the thing and it's sort of like we kind of have to just that's a part of accepting what what we're doing in life is that we're not always going to be in the flow um but I feel like that's such a good example of you know it can even be with a person that you've already connected with, like you had already connected with this girl. You already knew she liked you. You already knew, and she already knew you liked her. You know, you weren't, it wasn't the kind of first date, you know, from an app. It was like you met in real life. You'd even made out already. And it's right. still hard. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And like, I would say there was that sense of like, there was that surprise and ease as to like how quickly things escalated on that first encounter. And then yet, as soon as we got to the first date, it felt like there was like a sense of like needing to like be a certain way or like not being sure of like what I should reveal or, or how to, you know, kind of manage the experience. 
it became a lot, I, I got him, I was in my head a lot more during that date than I was, you know, when we had first connected. Totally. Thank you. Mm-hmm. David. So I'll uh, reference something that actually happened last week. And uh, I'm living in this COVID-19 shelter in place world where I am working from home along with uh, my wife and We've got three kids here that are trying to do some distance learning. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've really felt through all this time is uh, a real loss of just the the structures that I have in my everyday life to, you know, uh, allow me to do my work and uh, just the the comfort level of knowing how the days are going to go. So, you know, for me, over the past couple of weeks, I'd had some frustration just building up over the lack of productivity that I've had with my work and uh, frankly, just feeling like I don't really want to do it right now. And that, that was wearing on me for a while. And, and where I was not owning my power and all that was being open with my wife about what was going on with me. So the other uh, night uh, last week, I was a little bit open. I, I cracked the door a little bit about what I was thinking and feeling, but I didn't really let her know. And what I was kind of doing on that was shifting my frustration with myself and some of my anger and hurt with myself to now making demands on her. And it was a pretty unfair thing to do because I wasn't being honest with her and open about what I was actually thinking and feeling. And then even worse, of course, uh, one of the things that I tend to do, and I think other men do as well, is when you've got some emotional upset, hey, what's a great way to cure that? Let's have sex, which uh, I don't think works for most women. It's sort of one of those palliatives for me at times, though. So anyway, we had uh, had a little uh, discussion before dinner, and then we have dinner with our kids, and we were watching some TV together, and you know, at, at uh, the uh, around the bedtime, I decided, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to bed, but I was frustrated because I had an expectation and a need for something that I wanted and it was not getting met. And the end result of that was I ended up getting really angry and got into that, you know, fight or flight freeze kind of mode with things. And, you know, it was just, for me, it was an embarrassing situation, but it it went to not being able to admit to myself what was going on and that I just needed my wife to tell me, you know what? I love you. I'm sorry. This is hard for you. Keep at it. But I had not really owned that that was what was going on inside of me and hadn't reached out to get that kind of support. Oh man, that's a great story. I really like the, um, what you said about the actual need, you know, just because what I heard in that was like, I just need some reassurance. (laughs) Like you're doing great. I believe in you. We're going to get through it you know, I love you, that that was the need. And it, it, I think a lot of times, at least for me, I I think my needs are so complicated, but really at the end of the day, they're pretty simple, (laughs) but it's still really hard to speak to them. So I appreciate the, the, yeah, the honesty in that story. And I'm wondering, um, were you two able to, do you feel like you were able to get there in the end? Did you guys have a repair conversation? Like what, what happened at the end of the story? Yeah, we did. We did. It took a little time before I calmed down from being upset and angry and before she could be um, 
you know, open and not hurt by, you know, the way that I had um, reacted to not getting my unexpressed needs met. But yeah, we, we did, um, you know, eventually come together and, you know, we uh, went to bed and um, you know, just cuddled each other and, and relaxed a little bit. Uh, so we, we did ultimately come back together, but it was so silly because I could have avoided a lot of angst if I would have just been open about what was going on with me and, you know, give her a chance to uh, respond to that. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful example of um, being in relationship and being aware of our own needs. And that's sort of like step one, that if we can't do that, then we don't have a chance at sharing them. Um, I I thought the, I think that sort of mirrors some of these, these survey responses that I wanted to share. This was in response to the question, when do you feel like you don't own your power? And if you can please speak to that. And one man said, um, I feel like I don't own my power whenever I lie or hold back, whether it's something as small as how was your meal tonight or as big as honey, do you want to go see or do this thing with me? The reason I find this disempowering is because over time I can feel the aggregate effects of holding back. If it happens enough, I know from past experience, I will lose my sense of self and that's when guilt and shame creep in. And another man said, I feel like I'm not in my power when I'm in my shit, when I let myself be consumed by my insecurities. For example, when I'm in a group setting where I feel like I don't connect with the folks and I let unworthiness take over. You know, the, um, the word charts that come along with my survey data, one of the big words for this question was shame. A lot of men talked about shame and um, <clears throat> feeling small. So this was another one. Whenever I get shame or a little boy feeling, I feel little. This is less and less me as I own me and my life. But when I'm avoiding to look inside or when I'm running away from difficult situations, the action of running away comes from a place of inner shame, a belief that I'm not strong enough to get through it. And I I thought that was really telling that so many men, and I'm specifically speaking to the men's responses. I also have data on the women's responses, but I wanted to do the men's responses on this um, podcast. And I think that that's a big theme in terms of when we're not owning our power. I'm wondering if, if any of you can relate to that or have anything to share on that. Yeah, I think that's totally relatable for me and just that, you know, it's, for me, I feel like I approach it from a place of, you know, I think that by holding back, I'm like doing, you know, someone a, a service by, you know, you know, by managing their experience of what's going on for me to, you know, whether it be withholding a hurt uh, that they might feel or just in, in a way controlling their, their experience. And in the way I feel that it kind of hurts both people in the relationship and that it, you know, you're not being true to them. Um, and so they don't get the clear picture, but then I'm also not being clear intrude to myself. And then in the end, it just, you know, we both, we both lose. And, um, but sometimes that, that fear of, you know, that pain that you could cause someone else comes up first before you realize that, oh, if I don't own what I, what I feel like I'm going to feel shitty down, down the road. 
Yeah, and I wanted to add something that, and I'm kind of smirking here to myself because we've been talking about in the context of oftentimes intimate relationships, how this comes up, but a practice that I started doing was bring it into when I'm out at a meal and the server asks how, you know, how is everything? And I realized that for years I've probably been saying, Oh, everything's fine or great. When maybe it was a little too salty or the food was a little overcooked. So I actually have started making a point of observing and telling the server if something was off and uh, that took a lot of guts for me because, oh, you know, I don't want to make a big thing of it and uh, I don't want them to make a fuss about remaking my dish. But then that's how will they get better as an establishment if if no one comments on food? Maybe I'm not the only one. So maybe by speaking my truth, I'm speaking for someone else's experience too. I really like that. It's also kind of a simple way to practice just noticing, you know, and asserting your needs. It's a, you know, it's a relatively low stakes encounter. So I really like that as a, as a practice. I'm curious if you've noticed, have you, has that been helpful for you in terms of practicing speaking up and has that then translated to other areas of your life? Oh yeah. It's definitely been a good, I like the way you frame it, low stakes practice methodology because I found that taking those little steps has made it much easier for me, say when I'm intimate in an intimate relationship and need to set a boundary, I, I have that experience of, oh, I, I did this when the stakes were a little bit lower and everything was fine and I survived and the other person survived and we got through it together. And that has given me the confidence to up, up the ante as it were. Yeah. I really like that. Um, I think that that speaks a little bit to the, in one of the past podcasts, we talked about the core belief that um, I shouldn't bother anyone that a lot of people, including a lot of men have that belief of like, don't bother anyone. That's like a core belief, like a core sort of aligning, aligning thing. Don't bother anyone. And it reminded me of this survey response. When I'm resigned to a situation that doesn't meet my preferences and sulking about it, this could happen at work when I've been asked to do something I find annoying or resent or in my relationship when I'm like, oh, if I do X, she gets upset. I guess that means I have to do Y. And I think that that's, um, it's like the, the don't bother anyone thing is like, oh, I can't tell the server what was actually wrong because I'll bother someone, right? And the underlying assumption there is that their needs are more important than my needs. You know, my needs for my food to actually be hot when it comes out is lower or less than their need to, I don't know, have a, have a good restaurant. I'm not even sure what we are thinking in that moment, but it's, I can definitely feel that don't bother anyone sort of scenario playing out. And I think that's, um, that's, that seemed to be a common one in the survey responses around sex and dating and relationships is men saying, you know, I'm not in my power when I just go along, right. I just go along with what 
she wants, or I just go along with not getting my needs met. And I think that that response sort of encapsulated of, of, oh, if I do X, she gets upset. I guess that means I have to do Y. And I'm wondering if any of you can sort of speak to having done that in past relationships and maybe not doing it anymore in your current one or a, a recent one. Sure. I, I have done that uh, in this current relationship that I've been in uh, with over 21 years. And one of the examples that's coming to mind for me is I can remember a, a time there where my wife and I would be having sex and we both kind of get disconnected from what was going on. And of course, the expectation is, well, sex ends when the man comes. And so we just keep at it like somehow we have to hit this obligatory finish line in order for us to end this experience. And of course, you know, when you're disconnected and you're trying to aim for something, it makes it even harder to (laughs) get there. And so uh, at some point, my wife, who's got a a real gift for being um, present to the moment, just said, hey, let's just stop. And, you know, we repeated that experience enough before it's sort of like, you know what, why are we doing this if we're not connecting? And why are we trying to push towards a goal that defines our experience? Why don't we redefine what we want this to be? And, you know, uh, I love something Mark had said a few minutes ago about shame. And for me, I mean, part of the reason why I wasn't willing to just get present in the moment is because of an expectation that I was supposed to come. And so I'm ashamed that I'm not meeting up to that expectation and that standard. So how could I just let go of that? But getting a present to what was actually going on between us has brought us uh, a lot closer together in terms of both what we do in our bedroom and then in all aspects of our life. Oh, wow. I really like that story. I feel like that's such a powerful reflection of <laughs> of the way that our culture views sex and especially what we see in porn. Because like you said, that's always the end of a porn video. It's always he ejaculates. It almost never varies from that. And so I do think that we as a culture have been trained to say, this is what a sexual encounter looks like. This is how you know it's done. (laughs) So we're almost all brainwashed into like, if we don't get there, we've somehow failed the encounter or something. So I really like that as, a, um, as you two redefining, like, well, what does it mean to us? What do we want our sex to be like? And does it always have to look like this one certain way? Because I would imagine it was freeing for both of you to kind of step out of that paradigm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The, the challenge for me is that, uh, you know, eliminating one goal lets me pursue other goals. And, uh, you know, as my wife likes to say, it's always more, 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 more with you. And so the the challenge for me is being connected to what's actually going on in the present moment so that you can enjoy the satisfaction of what's actually, what you're actually experiencing in your body, what the other person is actually experiencing themselves and what's happening between the two of you together. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of yoga class. You know, like every yoga class is different, even though your body is supposedly the same body. Some days you 
aren't as flexible or some days your body doesn't want to do certain things or extra flexible. And it's like accepting that, Oh, I'm not always in control. I don't get to just force my body to do certain things. It's like, what is today? Like, what is this encounter? Like, what is this class? Like, what is this sex? Like, instead of it should be this way. Yeah. I just wanted to add, you know, on like a bigger, on that bigger theme of, you know, of expectation, you know, I, I keep kind of thinking about what Mark had said about that example, like in like the restaurant, you know, and I think what's interesting about this, you know, conversation about us, you know, feeling safe to speak our needs. I think there's also an equal responsibility of, you know, the people that we're communicating with providing a space and uh, or even like a curiosity of actually being curious about what our experience and what is true for us in the moment. You know, I feel like in the restaurant example, I'm sure, you know, those waiters and waitresses, you know, some of them may actually care about your experience, but probably some of them are just like, uh, like I need to ask this because it's expected of me. I need to ask how your food is without actually expecting some sort of response. Cause I know for me, I tend to just be like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Cause I'm in the middle of conversation and I'll just kind of like wave my hand, like everything's good. But I think this notion of expectation kind of plays um, it's, it goes back and forth between the person that is, you know, needing to share and the person that is kind of offering that space to um, hear about what someone's experience is. Benjamin, I think that's a great point, especially because different people are going to be more open to it. So, you know, if you say my, actually my food wasn't hot, that's when you get to experience the other person. And that's an important moment. So if a server says, well, fuck you, you, you didn't order it that way. Then you have a certain understanding of who that person is, right? Do I want to be in relationship with this person? I mean, obviously it's a server, so you're not going to be in a relationship with them. But (laughs) when, when we speak up for our needs, there's that moment and then there's that, it, we get to experience the other person and their response. And I worked with lots and lots of men where they're in intimate partnerships with women that don't want to hear their truth. So there's a reason they haven't been sharing their truth. And much of the time it's because they chose a partner who was similar to someone from their family of origin. So they chose a partner who it's not safe to speak up with. They don't want to hear their boundaries. They don't want to know their needs, right? And that doesn't mean that we don't get to express them. It means that we need to express our needs and then pay attention to the response. Because if you're in a restaurant and you're like, actually, my food wasn't hot. And the server says, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Let me comp you your next meal. Or let me talk to the manager and see what we can do. Or even just, oh, I'm sorry about that. I know it's important to have hot food then you have a sense of that server and how safe you feel with that person and how it feels to be with them. And so, cause I think there's a lot of confusion around, well, what if I speak up for my needs and they're not met anyway? It's like, well, then you get to decide, do you want to keep relating to that person or not? Um, And uh, David, I was wondering actually if you could speak to, you know, you've been in the same relationship for 21 years and it, it seemed to me through your responses that you've, you've been on a journey of owning your power and you've been owning it more as you've grown in the relationship. I'm wondering how has that impacted your relationship with your wife? Like she's obviously been able to meet you there. Otherwise I'm imagining you would have chosen not to stay. So how did that work in terms of growing in that way in the relationship? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, uh, an ongoing, uh, thing that we work on, um, 
And when it works really well, it's when we're communicating about things. And when it doesn't, it's when um, it, we're shutting down on something. But uh, I'll, I'll give you a, uh, an example of things it, uh, as to how we've tried to deal with this. So for me, I don't know, a couple of years ago, there was a night where I just, I just couldn't get back to sleep. And I pulled out one of those Spotify back to sleep kind of body scan meditation things. And I'd sort of toyed around with some of that stuff in various uh, times in my life. But for whatever reason, I just had the space on this one to just get fully relaxed and present in my body. And I woke up the next morning and I had the distinct thought, man, it would sure be amazing to be that present and relaxed in my body and having sex. And that kind of set me on a, a journey of things and, and a journey of sorts. And what I really found out in all of that in terms of how I relate to my wife is I have to approach her in that same way. So I have to be able to connect in with her body and find out where she really is and not push. Because that's the thing that um, you know makes it impossible for us to relate is if, if I'm pushing something down her throat, there's going to be no, no willingness and no ability for her to open and be able to try and engage with me. So that's been the, the biggest thing for us. And, you know, right now, the way that's playing out is that we're, we're sort of stuck at home without the ability to go out and do date nights and some of the things that would bring us together and really, you know, spark the intimacy between us. So we are uh, deciding to do uh, an online relationship over the next online relationship course over the next six weeks as an ability just to dive into some of that stuff together. And so it'll be interesting to see how we uh, uh, bring in where I've been moving the past couple of years, where we're actually conscious and taking the time to talk through what's happening in our relationship. That's awesome. I find that very inspiring, especially being proactive about using the time. It's like, well, we're both home anyway. <laughs> Seems like a good time to do a class and there's stuff coming up. So let's do it as a team and kind of get some support around it. I think that's really, that's a great idea. Too bad it only took us a month to figure that out. Hey, you know what? We're humaning. We're doing our best as humans. And it takes a long time to adjust to a situation like this. I think it, I think it takes at least a month to really kind of adjust to such a dramatic shift that all of us are going through at the same time. Yeah, that's true. So um, we're going to shift gears. We're going to move to the, the, the follow-up question of a memorable story of when you did own your power. So um, anyone can start. Okay. Um, So, This story is like the polar opposite for me of the earlier story I shared. And so this was around November, December of 2018. And I was dating a woman at the time. We had been dating about four months by this point. And it had become apparent to both of us that we had competing, not so much competing, but differing needs in, in relationship and connection from the frequency of contact, you know, how much is 
do we each need to text one another and how many times a week do we want to see each other? And we had been talking about that a little bit and each on our own, we had been reading about attachment theory and we, in my judgment, were kind of circling around the same issue and I didn't know what to do about it. And so I was staffing a weekend retreat uh, for the Mankind Project. And I had a sort of an epiphany on that weekend that I had to stand up for myself and in service to her and speak to what I was noticing in the relationship and see if she was feeling the same thing. So I came back that Sunday evening and we had had plans for me to come over to her place for dinner and I go into her place and everything seemed like normal, kiss each other. Hello, had dinner, got cut up. And then at the end of the meal, I said, Hey, I wanted to know if you were open to having a conversation about us and what we've been experiencing in relationship. And her reaction was actually one of joy. She had a smile and she said, oh my gosh, can we please, but can we move to the couch? And so we moved to the couch and then spent about two hours basically being vulnerable with each other and recognizing that neither of us was really having our needs met and that was okay. And we cared about each other and we wanted to remain friends. And now this woman is one of my closest female friends. I tell her everything and she's, we're closer now than we were when we were dating in many ways. And it was the most mutually respectful breakup I've ever been through. And she told me she had never had a a guy do that before. And so that's probably the moment that really stands out is one in which I absolutely own my power, maybe for the first time in my life. Wow. Several things I really like about that story. First of all, I love that you were, that you, you got yourself to a men's retreat. You were helping with a mankind project retreat. You were doing men's work and that's part of where the epiphany came from. First of all, I love that. And then second, you really led that conversation. You really led the two of you in talking about the relationship. And that's something that, you know, I just so appreciate as a woman, I find it so rare that there are men that are actually willing to lead in that way, to lead the sort of, yeah, emotional dialogue and actually creating a space for sharing. Because to me, that's what I hear in that story is you really created a space. You're like, I'd like to talk about this. Would you like to join me? (laughs) And I just find that to be so rare as a woman who is dating men in our, in our world. So I guess I just wanted to say thank you for that. And um, I find it so telling exactly what you said of we're closer now than we were when we were dating. <laughs> Cause I think that's often the case of like, we're still sort of trying to, I don't know, impress someone or we're not quite showing up exactly as ourselves frequently in the dating process. Um, but in friendship, I think it can be a lot easier to sort of show all aspects of ourselves. And I, I love that you two are, um, yeah, maintained a really close friendship because I think that's also something that can really serve us in the world is having opposite sex friends. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, 
some some I have really benefited from having multiple close female friends. Um, I think it's something that's important for men, you know, because a lot of guys grow up, I think, under the notion of, well, I I can only have friends that are men. But I personally have benefited from having multiple close female friends. So I agree it's important. Thank you. Benjamin or David? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is, um, this was actually a story that is pretty fresh for me because it had literally just happened uh, last week um, with the most recent relationship that I just came out of. So I was seeing this woman that was coming out of a, uh, another relationship um, when we started seeing each other uh, earlier in January. And, you know, things were great. We were spending a lot of time together. Um, and then, you know, once the coronavirus situation happened, uh, our communication started to break down and, you know, things we were, I was trying to make time to, you know, FaceTime with her and things just became very like task oriented. Like it was just like scheduling time to see her. Um, we weren't living together. Um, so just kind of making that kind of FaceTime. Um, but there wasn't a lot of actual connection going on. And it got to a point where uh, she was presencing some, she was presencing that disconnection with me and we started to have we started to kind of get into conflict about, um, you know, why this breakdown in communication was happening. And, you know, it was just getting to this point where she kind of needed some space and I was trying to work through it with her. Um, and it came to a point where, uh, we were going to have like a phone conversation about it. And I was just really feeling in my body that I needed to have this conversation with her in person um, and cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't really feel as much of a connection with someone when working through a conflict through text message or, a, or a FaceTime or a zoom call. Um, so I just noticed that I, like I needed to see her to have this conversation. And so I got in my car, uh, broke the self-isolation rule, sorry, California. Um, but I had, I had to go down and see her. Um, and so we had this conversation and it was brought up that, she didn't really feel she was in a place um, to be in a relationship yet, which was news to me. Um, and, you know, at first I presence, I was like, okay, you know, so I don't really want to run away from the relationship. It would be, you know, great to still support each other in whatever way that we can, um, which felt good uh, in, in the moment. Um, but then after, you know, a few days and, I was just, you know, kind of having, I was just kind of struggling with like, how much do I reach out to her? What's appropriate or not? And, um, I was getting some, some support from some other men in my life. Um, and you know, one really gave me advice about, you know, like, you know, uh, my, my initial intention, you know, when I started per pursuing her was like to be in a relationship, to be in a partnership. And, um, you know, he made, my friend Brian made this good point for me about, 
you know, um, not necessarily, if, if you don't really want to be her friend, if you want her to be your life partner, then that's what, you know, you want her to be. And don't kind of give in to just being her friend just to, for the sake of holding on to the relationship. Um, and so, you know, with that, with that pep talk, I realized that, you know, I, it, it's not what I wanted. I didn't want her as a friend. Uh, I cherish the relationship and I care about her, but what I really wanted was a partnership and keep maintaining it as a friendship wasn't going to satisfy that need for me. Um, so then I eventually reached out to her again and I reestablished that boundary that I wouldn't be reaching out to her while the rest of the quarantine was going on. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably touch base, you know, once when the quarantine lifts and kind of see where we're, where each other is at, but I needed to officially set that boundary for myself that like, Hey, I'm not going to reach out to you. Um, cause it just doesn't feel good for me. Um, and I also just want to, you know, iterate that, you know, I do feel powerful in, you know, setting this boundary, but I greatly, I greatly stumbled through it. And it took me re, uh, iterations from speaking with other men to really kind of get that clarity. So it's not like I necessarily came up with this on my own, but it, like through my community, I was able to come to that clarity of what was really true for me. Yeah, it reminds me of of Mark's story of the sort of spending time with the men that you care about, that you feel safe with, that you feel close to, that have your back is part of what helped you access your power, it sounds like. And then you were able to share your boundary with her. And what I really hear in that story is something that came up a few times in the research as well, which is you didn't make her wrong for what she was going through. You didn't make her wrong for her feelings or where she was at. It wasn't like, well, you should be over your ex. You should be ready for a relationship. You should be there for me. You should, you should. It wasn't that at all. It was, I need this and this is what I'm going to do. And I respect where you're at. And that came up several times of sort of like men that were talking about um, not making their partner wrong. So like letting their woman feel the way she feels and staying present to what they needed, what the man needed, what he needed and what his values were. I think that's, that's such an artistic balance, right? Like that's not always easy to do, but it, it came up again and again that that's really, you know, part of what true power is. Yeah. And I think you really need that information, you know, from, you know, whoever it is that you're relating with to make that decision, to make that action of what to do next versus just, you know, going off of some sort of reaction, you know, if they don't like it or if, or if, you know, if you're scared of what happens, you really need information from both sides to make a a clear, you know, heart-based decision of what's right for you and then sticking by that choice. Yeah. Well said. David? Really interesting hearing what Benjamin and Mark uh, both had to say. And uh, it, it takes me back to a story from being a teenager that sort of blends in all of not being in my power, being in my power, and all the different uh, shades of gray that are in there. But there was a, a girl that I had dated um, towards the end of my uh, years in high school. And when I was 17, I moved out of my parents' house. And we were not dating at the time, but we would still see each other occasionally. And she came over to my bachelor pad, and 
were talking and I had uh, exercised and gotten into my power by raising the question, what are we doing here? What is the status between you and I? And she says to me, well, after the summer, when I move out of my parents' house and I go away to college and I'm living in my dorm room, then we can date again. And I look at that response now and it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. We're here in the same town now. Why would we wait until you've moved away for us to date? But at the time, I was not uh, engaged in my power, and I sort of just accepted that answer and just let things continue on in sort of the gray area where things were. And at some level, you know, we were both sort of just filling a need for each other that summer, but we should have been a little bit more honest and open about where things actually were. And so where this finally got to the exercising the power side of the, of the story was once we got into the, the next school year and we both were um, in college over Christmas break, we got together and I took her out to dinner. And after dinner, she wanted me to go back with her to her dorm room to a college party. And there I was, 18 years old, driving my dad's car with another hour still to drive Uh, The last thing that I wanted to do was uh, to go to a college party and deal with the temptation of drinking. So I just ended up dropping her off on her campus, and I then drove home to my parents' house. And it, it took me, gosh, 10 days or so to finally realize, you know what? This girl really isn't interested in me. And to uh, get up the gumption it took to just call her up and say, you know what? I don't think there's any future for us. And so it's, it's interesting. It, it took an awful lot of, of prodding from her and from the circumstances for me to finally get there. But I finally did. And the really wild thing was that was Christmas break when we had all of that happen. And then the next spring, uh, I ended up uh, uh, meeting my wife and building the connection with her that eventually uh, led to us getting married. So you know, sometimes we don't exercise our power right away, but the universe gives us an opportunity to do so <laughs> down the road. Oh, I really like that. I like, and you know, when you were telling that story again, it sort of brought to mind um, the same sense that Mark, that you were speaking to of the sort of dawning comprehension of like, maybe this isn't right. <laughs> Like maybe this connection, this dating relationship we have, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't it. Maybe this isn't serving us. Maybe this isn't right. And then the courage to speak to that, I think is really the difference between us standing in our power or not. Because I, I, I just, it's amazing to me how many men I work with who've been in 10 plus year relationships that, you know, frequently marriages that weren't working for such a long time and neither person was, was sort of had the courage to, to talk about it and to actually get right with it. And it's, you know, I think it's just one of the most courageous things we can do is actually reflect on, is this serving both of us? And, you know, if not, we, we should probably stop doing it. And there's so much, you know, inertia or, whatever that word is for, for just keeping the gray zone going that it takes, I think a lot of energy and a lot of courage to actually reflect on whether it's right. 
Yeah, it's that just gut level reaction uh, to the situation that we can tend to ignore by coming up with reasons in our head or just because we're too scared to walk away from something that we know uh, and that we have that's familiar to us. Exactly. And that kind of bring up kind of brings us full circle back to what a lot of people mentioned, which was another theme I wanted to touch on in terms of of a man who's in his power. A lot of people talked about just being physically resourced, getting enough sleep, exercising, meditating, being, you know, a lot of men were like, I'm in my power when I'm in my body. And David, you spoke to like the gut level reaction, like you can only feel your gut level truth when you're in your body. You got to be in your body to feel that truth. And, um, you know, we're going to have to start to wrap up here, but that's something I did want to ask each of you was, you know, you're, you're each on a journey and you've been on a journey of owning your power. And I'm wondering what are a few things that have served you in that journey? It, you know, it didn't just magically happen overnight. Like what are a few of the things that you've noticed? Um, for example, I think Mark, one of your things would be like speaking up to wait staff. Like that was part of your journey. You know, it was a practice way to practice it or um, yeah. What are other ways that you guys have found have helped you get into your power? So I, that, that's definitely one that you mentioned, Melanie, and other things that have worked for me have been developing a routine. And it's certainly true for me that getting serious about working out and bringing awareness to my diet have, have helped, but I, I really do mean on a, on a day-to-day basis or saying, okay, Wednesdays and Sundays are days that I do laundry. And as, as laughable as it might be, something that I started doing probably about a year ago is the very first thing I do when my alarm goes off in the morning is I make my bed. And uh, it it's just something that I do that gives me a win in the morning. And because I, I found that if I front load my day with things that give me a sense of power and ownership of being in my power, then it that flows through the rest of the day. Great. Thank you. So I love what Mark had to say about having the, the structure and the routine. And as I've gotten older, I've spent more uh, time emphasizing that part of life. And the interesting kind of paradox that I've found in all of that is that in some ways that kind of gives me freedom to get curious about different things. And uh, at at some level, I sort of feel like I've I've become almost a different person every seven years or so, even though a lot of the the things that I'm doing on a day-to-day level tend to be the same. It's just that there's different things that I'm interested in. There's different people that I'd like to be around. And so I I think that that willingness to be open to change uh, is something that has helped me to grow and experience more of the power that I have within me as a man. Mm, Interesting. Thank you. Um, I would say there have been probably two things that have really helped me. Um, first, I mean, uh, just really 
me physically getting into my body, whether it be, you know, exercising, um, uh, you know, hitting, like hitting the bag or hitting like, like a punching bag at, at the gym. Um, and just like really, you know, getting myself like worked up, getting to like high levels of like energy or like doing breath work or, you know, like, like, like holding, holding poses for, for long periods of time or can be very kind of meditative, but also build a lot of energy that have allowed me to, um, be more in touch with my body and, you know, what I'm, you know, noticing in my general experience throughout the day and, allowing myself to feel the whole range of emotions, you know, and, and I like to think of it kind of as like a spectrum from like one to 10, you know, if it's like one, one or two is like, you know, really angry or like really sad, allowing myself to feel those emotions or allowing myself to feel like the emotions at like at a 10, you know, where it's like really happy, like filled with joy. Cause I find if I'm like constantly in like the five, like four, five, six range, you know, just things are just like, okay. Like there's not a lot of energy there. There's not a lot of charge and it's so easy to just kind of feel stuck and just kind of go along with things and just kind of be in like a, like a meandering kind of flow state. Um, but allowing myself to kind of feel my whole range of emotions has allowed me to just notice what's my experience and what's true for me in the moment without, um, trying to judge it in any way. Um, and one other thing that I've recently have started to do was, um, taking little, little pauses. You know, if I'm like doing an activity, like if I'm like working on my laptop or, or like reading something, making sure I take like a little pause after I finish that before I move on to something else. Cause I find that I just move from activity to activity to activity without actually stopping and like pausing and like, okay, like just taking a stock of like, well, what's going on for me right now. And I find that by taking these like short, it could be just like a minute or two just to kind of break and just reflect on what I'm noticing in my body, but it helps me to kind of just drop back into my experience versus just kind of allowing experiences to just kind of roll into one another. And then it's like, it's nighttime and I'm like, Oh, what, where did those past four or five hours go? Hmm. Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, yeah, just wanted to name that several of you, you know, two out of the three of you mentioned speaking to your men or doing some kind of men's work. And David, I think you do men's work as well, or you have a men's group. Is that right? I do not. That's actually something that uh, is a real opportunity for me to uh, grow into that um, I would like to be doing, but I'm not. Oh, I must have mixed you up with another survey respondent, but I just wanted to kind of name that as part of what I have seen for a lot of men and a lot of men have named as part of their journey is connecting with other men around these kinds of topics and consciousness and connection and all of that. And, um, David, I might be able to hook you up. So let's talk about men's groups after the call. (laughs) Um, so we're gonna, yeah, sort of wrap up here. And I'm just wondering if you guys have any final, final thoughts or shares on, um, owning your power, especially if there's, if there's sort of a man out there that's early, that's, you know, on an early stage of this journey, if there's any advice that you would give him. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so something that's coming up for me is, you know, what I would have 
been served by hearing when I was at an early stage is that it it gets better and it takes practice and that you're not alone and it and I'm saying this from a place that I hope it lands not as you know trite or sort of cliche but that it in a place of service that it's not it's not easy but that it it gets easier and there are communities of men and of women that are waiting and eager to support you in your growth and to just reach out put out the call and that help will find you that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I would really encourage a focus on developing the muscle of slowing down of, you know, whether it be, you know, hearing, uh, you know, news in a relationship that, you know, that may not then they may go against what you want to hear, or even in like a conversation, like at the, like with a, like a waitress, like asking you how the food is, you know, finding these moments where you can, instead of just reacting and just feeling like you need to give a response to just slow down, take a moment to connect with yourself and really feel into, well, what is, what do I really want to say right now? Or what is true for me? Or even if it, in like the case of like a relationship, there's no requirement that you need to, respond immediately. And, you know, in my recent experience, I realized that I wish I would have allowed myself the opportunity to just take in what my partner was saying before, you know, saying like, oh yeah, let's just kind of be supportive of each other as, as, as much as possible. Because in the end, that wasn't really, that wasn't what was fully true for me. And it was really just a reaction to holding on to the relationship as much as possible. So slowing down and just allowing yourself the space to feel into what's true for you. I love that. Thank you. And I think once you do slow down and you feel into that, then the next step is express it to the people that you need to express that to, whether that's somebody that you're seeking a relationship with, somebody that you're in a relationship with, parents, family members, people at at your office, whatever the situation is, being able to express what it is that you're thinking and feeling is where you start. And then depending on how they react, you can figure out what you need to do from there. But you never get off the ground to trying to uh, go after the things that you need and that you think are right if you never open yourself up and put them out there. Well said. And the thing I would add to all of that is get into community. Like Mark said, you don't have to do it alone. Being around other people, especially other men that really are mentors and can help guide. There are lineages, there are paths forward, there are, you know, courses about boundaries and investing in those communities, investing in those learning opportunities works. And it can be more efficient than trying to do it all yourself. (laughs) Um, So as my co-coach Jason says, don't lone wolf it. You don't need to do that. And it feels 
better and is more efficient to do it, you know, in community. So mm. just wanted to throw that out there as something I've seen that's been transformative for consistently for the men that I've seen that are, that tend to grow the most, the fastest. I want to add one other quick thing too, if that's okay. Yeah, do it. Um, yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, um, when it, it can be, you know, very, it can feel very vulnerable to share what your needs are and what your truth is. And I just wanted to say that, you know, regardless of what the other person says, you know, and if it's in like the, like a negative context, it's not personal against you. Like it, because it's, if you own your truth and are willing to share it, however they respond, it's not a reflection on you. It's, it's more about them. And I, that's a, it's a, it's tough to not make it personal, but I just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, it is. That's a good point. And, uh, another good opportunity to lean on your tribe. If you are having feelings that you want to share, you know, it's totally normal to have feelings and it's great to have people that you can share them with, um, that are safe, genuinely safe and want to know what's going on for you. Hey guys, as we wrap up here, first, I would love for you to join the Big Sexy Data Set. This is the group of men and women, but mostly men that I poll to use with my surveys. And starting next month, April, we're doing a theme of the month, which is going to be around owning your power. So I'm looking for more guys to join. You just email me, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and just say, I want to join the Big Sexy Data Set. I would love to have you. (laughs) 